What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me, as always, is the people's producer, none other than producer Truthbox. What do you get to say to the fans out there, Mr. Juice? Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words. We, the people. We, the people, tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We, the people, are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go, and by what route, and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. Yes! Coming in hot after a week off. Nice work, brother man. President Reagan had it right. The uh, government hacks work for us, not the other way around. As you know, we took last week off. Mr. Truthbox over there went to Jacksonville. He was spreading the word about the show and uh, watching the old Georgia Bulldogs take care of business against Florida. Rumor has it that Ron from Florida was following him around the whole weekend and that he's uh, a big, big fan of the show. We're going to have some fun on today's episode. We're going to talk about the red wave that's coming with us uh, during these midterm elections that are coming next week. We'll dive into the bombshell report about how big tech and the government have been working hand in hand to control the type of information that's available out there to the public. And you know that the highly rated, extremely popular Rights and Wrongs of the Week will be part of the show as always. And we close things out with a come on, man, segment that's reserved just for a Starbucks employee that's just sick of being overworked and misgendered. So stick around for that at the end of the show. I guess that that sets things up pretty nicely for us. It's about that time that we call on our old friend, Mr. Ric Flair, to come in because it is showtime, baby. Woo! Before I get going here, I do need to remind you all out there to please click that subscribe and like button wherever you are uh, listening to us here on the podcast. That stuff really, really helps us grow the show, and uh, we're really trying to reach a larger audience. A five-star review and a comment would be even better. And last but not least, please tell a friend and uh, share that show on your social media accounts. And that, my friends, will complete the trifecta of requests we have for you. So please, please, please help us grow this show. All right. So I was chatting with my wife, the beautiful Miss Ashley, and she brought up something interesting about the way that people perceive things, specifically about how I'm perceived now that I've made the commitment to share my thoughts and opinions so freely with you guys. And in turn, how she's now perceived by being married to such a far-right mega-extremist. She was thinking back to a conversation that she had, and the person that she was talking to was like, 
Brian's gone pretty far to the right nowadays, huh? And Ashley's response was perfect. She was just like, well, he's always held these views. He just happens to be more vocal about them nowadays. The point she made is 100% correct. Obviously, you're going to find out what I think and feel when I spend an hour a week telling you guys what I think and feel. The problem is that we've been trained to keep our mouths shut. We've been trained to go along to get along. We've been told our whole life that you don't talk politics or religion at the family parties. Guys, I'm a talker. I always have been. I always will be. Sorry, I'm not sorry. (laughs) I'll talk to anybody, and I'm typically a pretty fun person to be around. If I don't say so myself. At least I think I am. But just because I can hang out and have a conversation about sports, movies, work, that doesn't mean that I'm not a Republican. I've always been against drag queen story hour. I just would avoid the topic because of the idea that that conversation wouldn't end too well. I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school my whole life. Of course, I have religious beliefs and values. Now, I'll admit my commitment to participating in mass and living out my religious values has wavered in my adult life. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in God and and don't believe in the devil, that I don't believe in right from wrong. It just means I'm flawed and susceptible to the modern temptations that surround all of us on a daily basis. I'm pro-life, and I've always been pro-life. I haven't always known how to express that belief. I, like most, was in the camp that I personally don't believe in doing it and would never go down that road, but who am I to tell you what you should do? And I also felt weird as a man advocating for pro-life when I clearly cannot become pregnant myself. The more I've thought about it and the more I've learned about it, the more annoyed I get at myself from five, ten years ago for being so weak and passive over such an important issue. My old thought process was foolish. I don't believe that murder falls into the camp of, I wouldn't commit a murder, but you do you over there. Hey, if your doctor gives you the green light, go for it. So if we discussed abortion five years ago, I most likely would have told you that I don't agree with it, but I'm uncomfortable telling someone else what to do. Now, the left has never had that problem. The left is very, 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 very comfortable telling people what they can and can't do. The left has told us we can't say Merry Christmas, but you can say Happy Holidays. They've told us what kind of speech is politically correct. The left has told us that we can't go to work, fly in a plane, or travel from state to state unless we take an experimental drug. The list could go on for days. So I'm sick of feeling weird or uncomfortable about telling others what to do. I can't force anyone to do anything, but what I can do is be more vocal about my beliefs and explain why our community, our country, and our culture would be better off trying to enact some of those beliefs. If this means that now people are going to think that Brian's gone far right, then so be it. Throughout my adult life, I've experienced career advancement and career changes. I've gotten married and I've had two children. I ran for and successfully won an election to become the president of my union when I worked for the city. I've gone through a life-changing move from Boston to South Carolina, and you know what? All of those topics were considered interesting and would also dominate conversation in social situations. You want to know what else I've done? I rediscovered practicing and participating in my faith, to the point that before I moved, I was preparing to become a lector at my church. I made a great connection with my priest, Father Chris, and my deacon, Deacon Bill. I participated in a Bible study for the first time ever. Take a guess how quickly that topic and those stories got brushed over in, uh, in a social situation. You know what else I did? I was working on a lawsuit against the city of Boston's public schools. 
And I created a podcast with a friend that I've known since we were in the first grade. You think those are some interesting stories to talk about? Yep, I do too. But those subjects have been mostly avoided at family functions and social settings. When they are discussed, it's off in a corner with not a lot of people around. It's out in the garage smoking a cigar with someone when the party's going on inside the house. It's the left liberal progressives that have spent years now dictating what topics are acceptable and what ones are off limits. Well, I'm not playing by those rules anymore. And it's not because I'm all of a sudden far right. It's because I'm done playing the role of silent majority. So it's about that time in the program where we get to bring you the wrongs of the week. So without further ado, Mr. Juice Man, let's start it off with number five. And this one's going to be from your girl, Hillary Clinton, sharing her thoughts on the Paul Pelosi attack. Juice? Number five. And so I wonder if you can just tell me how the attack on Paul Pelosi struck you and what did it tell you about the state of the right in this country and the hate toward a powerful woman? Well, I think your question uh, kind of answers itself, Joy. Um, There's always been uh, a streak of violence, of, uh, you know, racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, as you've said. Um, But I think what we're seeing today, and it has certainly been thrown into very high relief by the horrific attack on Paul Pelosi, uh, is not just an aberration where one or two uh, people or a small group engage in that kind of uh, violent rhetoric and urge people to take action against political figures uh, like her, like me, like others. We're seeing a whole political party and those who support it, those who enable it, those who run under its banner, uh, engaging in behavior that is so dangerous. And I find, frankly, uh, disqualifying for people uh, who are running for office. You know, such a leftist theme in a nutshell there. You don't like my policies. You think I'm a bad do bad at my job. You think I'm a terrible candidate. Must be racist, misogynist. Uh, you don't like women. You hate strong, powerful women. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I love Candace Owens, who's black and a female and very, very smart, uh, very good at what she does. And, you know, somebody that I look up to and admire for doing what she does. How about Nikki Haley? Another woman who's very good at her job, who I think would be a phenomenal candidate in the Republican Party. So we just disregard those types of women because they're not liberal women. Hillary, you're a joke. You're a terrible candidate. That's why people didn't vote for you. And people don't like Nancy Pelosi because she also is bad at her job. Uh, Actually, she's not bad at her job. She's actually pretty decent at using the power that's granted to her. But, you know, she's unlikable. She is not a very good speaker of the House for the country. She might be good for the Democratic Party, but not for us as a whole because she's very divisive and, you know, plays political games left and right. Again, not that it's okay to go and try and break into her house and attack her husband, but that's not happening. There's not rhetoric about her that's dangerous because she's just a strong, powerful, successful woman. Next! Hillary Clinton is a crook. All right, number four here. Let's go to a clip that we're going to play from a trans activist that 
is warning about the dangers of um, trans rights when they go to vote during the midterms here. So you want to take it away for us, Juice? Number four. Good to see you. And as Gen Z gears up to hit the polls, transgender voters are concerned they might be blocked from casting their ballots. Yeah, that's because a growing number of states are enforcing stricter voter identification laws that disproportionately impact the community. NBC Out reporter Joe Yurkaba joins us now with more on this. Joe, good morning to you. So first of all, how can voter ID laws create obstacles for transgender people? And where do we see some of the strictest voter ID laws? Sure. Yeah. So voter ID laws disproportionately impact trans people because trans people are more likely to have IDs without the name uh, that they go by and the gender marker that reflects how they present. And recent research shows that just over 200,000 eligible trans voters in uh, 31 states that both conduct their elections mostly in person and require or request ID at the polls don't have IDs that reflect their gender identities and the names they go by. Uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, show up to vote, present the ID um, that you have, and state your name. If you now go by Mary Poppins or Scooby-Doo or whatever it is, uh, that's not going to be acceptable because that's not who you are. Legally change your name if that's what you want to do and update your ID, I guess, if that's how you want to be taken. Um, But, you know, enough of this nonsense. Just say who you are. Stop playing games. Stop playing dress up and expecting everybody else to go along with the charade. Next. How about new? All right, what about this one for a closing pitch from John Fetterman to the voters of Pennsylvania? Let's see what he had to say uh, about inflation. Juice? Number three. Well, let's talk about inflation because that's a big concern for voters. What do you think the biggest cause of inflation is? And should the Biden administration be doing more? I I just do. I I think that simply is also, we have this talk about the trillions in, in massive tax uh, tax uh, cuts to the corporate uh, tax uh, structure as well. True. You know, trillions of dollars that have added to the deficit and, and now th- they still want to support those as well. True. I think in terms of being very serious about uh, addressing inflation is, is making sure that those rates are brought back into a line with what they, they should have been uh, where they're able to uh, fight uh, the, 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 the deficit. Uh yeah, really sounds like somebody you want going to bat for you um, in the Senate, Pennsylvanians. Is that is that well true? Do you want somebody up there who can't form an English sentence speaking on your behalf, arguing uh, on your behalf and making very important decisions? Is that well true? I don't know what well true even means, but Fetterman sure does. He, he well true um, likes to explain something well true with what he says with words and stuff and things well true. So... That might be well true. The person to to choose and pick, and well, to uh, vote, and with your rights, your voter rights, and that is well true. So, um, you know, just trying to clear that up for you so you could properly understand it. Um, vote for Fetterman. Well, true. Next. Hi. Good night, everybody. All right. We go from uh, that clear message that we just heard to this very clear and informative message from President Unity himself, Joe Biden. Juice? Number two. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, think of Iraq because that's where my son died. Um, I mean, we all know this story already. His son did not die in Iraq. His son died um, in 2015 from brain cancer. He was in Iraq between 2008 and 2009, I believe it was. Uh, so he clearly did not die in Iraq. 
you know, I think he's making references to whatever he, he, the president thinks are the reasons behind it. But how does that have anything to do with what he's talking about? And how does he go down that rabbit hole? Like, that's the guy in charge. He's the leader of the free world right there. Can't even form a coherent thought. That, my friends, is definitely well true. Next. You're a line dog face pony soldier. All right. So let's close things off with our number one wrong of the week here. We're going to go to none other than the very gay, very black press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. KJP, yeah, you know me. That's who's coming up here. She's going to clear everything up for us from those last two people and really hammer home a nice, clear, concise, strong message for Democrats as they make their final pitch before the midterms. Juice? Number one, wrong of the week. He has been clear democracy is under assault and we cannot pretend otherwise. The president will continue to call attention to the threat to to democratic integrity and to public safety posed by those who deny the documented truth about election results and those who seek to undermine public faith in our system of government. Unfortunately, we have seen mega MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. They refuse to accept the results of free and fair elections, and they fan the flames of political violence through what they praise and what they refuse to condemn. It remains important for the president to state strongly and unequivocally that violence has no place in our democracy. The mega maniac uh, monster mega Republican people, the ultra mega monster Republicans. That's who she wants to call out right there. Um, Condemn violence. Like, like, why do we play the condemn game after all these things happen? Yeah, I mean, what reasonable person thinks it's okay to break into someone's house and, and threaten their husband with a hammer, to hit him with a hammer? Nobody. But what reasonable people think it's okay to loot and burn and, and tear down the country for an entire summer? Should be nobody. But the Democrats all supported that. None of the Democrats condemned that. Like, enough of this crazy fanatics doing stupid stuff and everyone running around, condemn this, condemn that, condemn this. Like, enough. We all know you're full of crap. We all know you support political violence when it's in favor of the things that you support. And we all know you look to try to call for the condemning of any violence done on the other side because you want to try to use that um, against your political opponents. We know what you're doing. Uh, You're very bad at it. And it's not fooling anybody. Next. The mega mega Republicans. And that'll do it for our wrongs of the week. Thank you guys so much for promoting this segment. Always glad to get the positive, positive feedback that we get for this one. Stay tuned for those rights later on in the show. All right. So over the weekend dropped a huge story that uh, I hope everybody out there in the listening audience uh, understands and kind of realizes what a big deal it is. You know, I feel like we we kind of skew a little bit older with our demographic. And, you know, I even put myself slightly in this category. I'm not... Um, you know, the biggest tech savvy guy, online guy. We have the Twitter accounts. Um, we have our Facebook page, that type of stuff to try and help promote the show. But I definitely don't take it enough advantage of, um, you know, the whole techmology, I guess, at my disposal. But that, my friends, is the public square these days. Make no mistake about it. Gone are the days that uh, you grab the Herald 
from the guy handing them out at the stop sign on your way into work in the morning. We don't get our news that way anymore. Haven't in a long, long time. Everybody gets it online and then we react, we read about it and we share stories that way. So there was a bombshell report that got released by Lee Fang and an investigative uh, journalist that uncovered a series of portals that were in place by Facebook and Twitter that were directly connected with government officials where these government officials could reach out, contact those people, and let them know about content that they think should be removed for, you know, spreading misinformation or untrue uh, stuff about the pandemic or whatever it may be. And ladies and gentlemen, that is scary, scary stuff. That's China. That's what they do in China when they're trying to watch a debate between Trump and Biden and their TV's all cut out and you can't see anything when Trump's talking specifically about China and then it magically pops back on when Biden starts talking. That happened during the debates leading up to the 2020 election. There's a reason why the show South Park cannot be found in China because they make fun of the regime over there that runs things. It's a propaganda machine. That's what it is. And our country, our government, leftists specifically, love that form of government. That's what they want to happen because they don't believe you're smart enough, intelligent enough to just simply be presented with information and be able to draw your own conclusions or make your own opinion about it. So they want you to see what they want you to see, take away from it what they want you to take away from it, and go about your day. When they want you to not run out and buy masks because they want to save them for the nurses, then there's no need to wear cloth masks. They're not going to do anything to help present, prevent the spread of COVID. And then a few weeks later, when they have enough, and now they want to control you, they trot out Mr. First Pitch himself, Dr. Fauci, to tell you, wear the masks, you sheep. Wear them, because now it makes sense. You need to wear it double mask if needed. <laughs> I'd have to laugh at that. <laughs> so that's the type of stuff we're dealing with. And we all lived through the last two years of this nonsense. It was happening on a smaller scale, but it just moved up to a spinal tap 11 uh, during the COVID era. And it's not going back down. So that is what is going on with this whole Elon Musk takeover of Twitter, too. That's part of this. These things work hand in hand. We played the thing on a few episodes back with uh, Mark Zuckerberg openly admitting to this stuff when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, talking about how he was contacted by the FBI about the Hunter Biden laptop story. And that's why they suppressed it on Twitter. I mean, on uh, Facebook. And it just got completely removed from Twitter. That's because these these people that they, they, they're working hand in hand with the government. I'm sorry. That is scary. Like I said, we already know what happens when you watch um, you watch CNN, you watch your local news. And hell, Fox News is going gonna, is gonna to slant conservative. I told you I'm a huge Daily Wire guy. They're a conservative outlet. So they're going to tell stories from a conservative point of view. But my biggest distinction between the two is that Fox News and the Daily Wire and conservative sites in general, they admit they're conservative bias. They tell you that it's a conservative slanted message. CNN pretends like they're just the most trusted name in news and they don't have an agenda when clearly they do. It really makes me think back um, years ago playing poker with a whole group of buddies 
and there, there's one of the kids is a huge, huge leftist lib. You know, he's he's all in the political scene, does does all the work, like works on campaigns, all that type of stuff. He's a huge leftist, and I remember we were talking about um, Bernie Sanders or Hillary. It was back then uh, uh, on who was going to be the candidate, and it was clear that the people were leaning towards Bernie for the Democratic nod. And the powers that be, you know, the the Democratic machine, they put all their support and funding and backing behind Hillary because they looked at her as a better chance to win the actual nomination as opposed to the socialist Bernie. And I was talking about that with him and just being like, that's ridiculous. I mean, your people wanted somebody and, and the machine stepped in and took over and put the person in charge that they wanted instead. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. No problem with that at all. People are dumb. People don't realize. People don't know what, what works. And he was dead serious. He was 100% serious. That's the That was his point of view. Didn't try to hide it. I mean, I don't think he would say that out in, um, in open. That was in a house with like 10 to 15 people playing some poker. And that was his honest-to-God thought. And he was serious. I think he really believes that. Like, Hey, you know, leave it to the people themselves. They don't understand. They can't comprehend it. They don't they don't see things this way. They're too dumb to understand. And those are the types of people that are the ruling class on the Democratic uh, aisle. That's the people that those are the people that are in charge. And those are the type of people that have infiltrated all aspects of our society. They've infiltrated, you know, big tech. They've they've run up the deep state of the government. And they're in control. That's the way they do things. This whole report about the Twitter, Facebook thing, there was a special portal that you could only get into it with a government um, email account. And what you could do is if you saw something, if you saw something that didn't make sense, you didn't like, you could reach out with your government credentials and it would go directly to somebody at Facebook or Twitter immediately to be able to take a look at it and take it down to censor it and to block it. Now, that is some premium, premium access to, um, you know, shut down your opponent, shut down dissent, shut down a difference of opinion. And in the report, Fang reports that some of these accounts that got shut down were obvious like parody accounts, fake ones that are just people trying to be funny, goofing around, making fun of, you know, Democrats. There's plenty of ones that are out there making fun of Republicans, too. That's kind of what the online world is. And I'm sorry, it does not need to be censored by the government. There's absolutely certain things that that should be, you know, monitored and removed, but it should be very minimal. If somebody says something dumb, idiotic, racist, hurtful, transphobic, um, misgender somebody, uh, misogynistic, whatever else you want to label it, let it stay up there and let that person answer for their words and their tweets and their actions. If, if it's dumb and if it's unacceptable and if it's it's harmful and hurtful, people are going to see that and people can judge them on that. It's not your job to have it removed because someone might read those words and, and be hurt and be unpersoned or have their feelings destroyed. We need to grow a set. Remember that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you and move on with our lives. And what we don't need is the government controlling the town square and censoring what we can and cannot see.
what information we do and do not have access to, especially when it comes to the way they're going to make policy decisions, enforce a brand new untested vaccine on all of us or shut down our entire world, our entire economy, our whole lives over a virus that most of us did not feel that threatened by. So please pay attention to that type of thing. And we need to make sure that that does not happen again. And hopefully with Elon Musk in charge, it's heading in the correct direction. So it's that time in the show where we get to bring you our rights of the week. We gave you the wrongs a little bit earlier, so let's uh, find a few people that are doing things the right way. Uh, Right off the bat here, Mr. Juice, we're going to go to some of his favorite um, content over on the continent of Australia. He really loves finding these Australian TikTok people, and it's great because their accents are phenomenal. So how about we go with the number five right of the week from this lady in Australia. Juice? Number five. Things that make no sense in 2022. Black lives matter, except in the womb. Women's rights are human rights, but no one, not one person can define what a woman actually is. We are told to trust the science, but denied basic biology. Uh, Love is love. Unless you love God or your country, then you're right-wing extremists. And... uh, We live in a tolerant, welcoming society that doesn't judge anyone based on race, gender, or faith, except when you're a white Christian male, then you're dumb. How did we get here, guys? How? Gender. I love it. Uh, That's good stuff, but 100% right. Just completely nails it for us. So thank you out there, Madam Australian. Keep up the good work there, Juice, finding those ones for us. Next. $900 reduce to buy us. Did you accept a six-hour collect call from the state? All right, let's go to the number four right of the week from Juice's favorite congresswoman, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from his home state of Georgia. Here she is talking about our uh, oil production and oil industry, something along those lines, and you're going to like it. So uh, without further ado, number four, Juice. Number four. Joe Biden's America, they have destroyed America's energy independence. I want you to see what this is right here. This is an actual oil rig. This is where we drill for oil in America, not in another country, right here in the United States of America. But in Joe Biden's America, they want to turn the oil and gas off. They want us to depend on the Green New Deal to turn our lights on, to be able to heat our homes, cool our homes, provide electricity to many needed industries, hospitals, manufacturing plants, We can't survive in Joe Biden's America. Let me tell you something, everyone. When Republicans are back in charge, we're going to turn the oil and gas back on and we'll be drilling again. Great points, Congresswoman. Uh, I think she's missing a big um, a big explanation there to the why behind all that is uh, so that they can hold it off, turn you off when you speak out against them, when you don't conform to what they tell you to do. It's going to be like those truckers up there in Turd Boys country in Canada. Remember, they froze their bank accounts because they tried to donate to the uh, trucker convoy. So that's the reason why they're trying to get us um, on all these Green New Deal BS bogus initiatives so that they can control it. They have the power to it. And then they can just flip a switch and turn your energy off. Next, America first. All right, let's go to this lady uh, who did a TikTok, I believe it was, 
about this uh, story that also was circulating over the weekend of the Dems now looking for some pandemic amnesty. So here we go. Number three, right of the week. Juice. Number three. So I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget what the government did and didn't do over the last number of years. I'm not going to forget what the police forces in countries all around the world did to their own citizens. The overreach and tyranny that they participated in because they were just following orders. I'm not going to forget any of that. I'm not going to forget children being ripped out of school, being taken away from their friends and shoved into online classes that were not helpful to them, that damaged them emotionally and psychologically, that they in some ways might never come back from. Kids are resilient, but I'm not sure how resilient. I'm not going to forget the fact that friends of mine, that loved ones of mine, lost their jobs and their businesses because they would not follow totalitarian, crazy regulations and crazy mandates that didn't change anything, that didn't help anything. I'm not going to forget the fact that because of government oversight, because governments are not tremendously good oftentimes at responding to emergencies, I didn't get to see my family for three years. I still haven't seen my family, and I'm not the only one. I'm not going to forget the fact that people couldn't see their loved ones as they were dying in hospital. They couldn't go to cemeteries, couldn't go to their funerals, couldn't say goodbye. I'm never going to forget any of that. Because if the last number of years has taught us anything, it's that government a lot of the time has no idea what they're doing. And they act without consequence, without repercussion. And you, you are the one who loses out. But they don't care. They don't care and they never will. So I'm not going to forget. And I hope that you weren't either. I won't forget. I know the people out there in the right and wrong community won't forget. Even if it's only 50 of yous or 500 of yous. We're not going to forget because we're going to continue to talk about it here on this show. And I know there's a lot, lot more like us. Next. There ain't nothing to forgive on my side, baby boo. This is a you problem. And we're still talking about it. The number two right of the week. Let's go to this uh, nerd who was a big Dem Lib Blue supporter who is speaking to this um, person doing the video about why he's voting red this this uh, upcoming midterm elections. Let's hear what this guy had to say. Juice. Number two. Uh, I've been an organizer on the left for five years. I worked for Greenpeace for five years. I worked on the Biden campaign for uh, Vote Blue. I was in Pennsylvania. I was in North Carolina uh, organizing for the left. Uh, I worked for Biden because he said he was going to unite this country. And then he turns around and calls 49% of the country uh, terrorists and radicals. That's unacceptable. That's divisive. And I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Uh, so for the first time in my life, I'm voting down ballot Republican, and I will not be voting Democrat again until they fix the crime problem they've created here in Manhattan with bail reform and until they stop with the COVID mandates. There's no way that body autonomy doesn't go both ways when it comes to abortion and my right to not have to take an experimental drug, mRNA therapy, into my body. I am not anti-vax. I have all of my vaccinations from childhood. 
Those are hundred-year-old vaccines. They've been studied. They've been tested. mRNA therapy has never been tested before. And it is unacceptable that New York State is still refusing to hire back the people who were fired despite the New York State Supreme Court's ruling. It's unacceptable that they are not willing to pay the back pay and that they're continuing to fight this fight and die on this hill. And I will be voting for Lee Zeldin in November. Okay. Um, oh, we are in the Bronx. I, you said Manha- here in Manhattan. I want to sure. just tell everyone that, 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 yeah, we're here in the Bronx. It's a New York statewide problem. Yeah. It's not about party. It's about people. It's about policy and people. It's about, you know, looking into that person's eyes and saying, this person actually cares about me. And Kathy Ochoa doesn't have that. All she does is condescend. You know, the last rally we were at for the Democrats, they called us MAGA, you know, Republicans and Trumpers. I hate Donald Trump. I can't stand Donald Trump. Uh, I voted against him. Like I said, I worked on the Biden campaign. Uh, it's unacceptable that level of condescension, that level of patronization, that level of taking us as regular people for granted. Uh, look into the politicians' eyes. Look at their policies and make that determination. That kid just nailed it, though. I mean, look at what's going on. And if you guys could see that video, I'm telling you, that kid was a nerdy, kind of dirty-looking, hippie-ish, like hasn't showered really in a couple days kind of a kid into politics, working on these campaigns, going from state to state. Who can pick up and move move around like that and go help on campaigns? That's like the base of the left right there. And this kid's done with it. He's like, see you later, President Unity. You've done jack to unify the country. You've actually divided us even more. And he even throws his credentials out there on the plate by saying he hates the Donald. But he's still going to vote red this time because he knows what's going on. The left have lost their mind. And they're starting to lose even these fringe, typical leftists. So good job, young man. Hopefully he continues to see the light and come a little bit further. Next. Come on, come get it. All right. The number one right of the week goes to one of the most important justices on the Supreme Court in its entire history. That's none other than Justice Clarence Thomas. I don't know who would ever have the gall to write F. Clarence Thomas on a check at a bar, but people have done it in the past, I guess, from time to time. Well, not here on this show, not the listeners of the Right and Wrong show. So what did Justice Thomas do this time? They're hearing arguments for a case that they're going to decide on in next year's session, I believe, and it has to do with affirmative action in the colleges, college admissions. So It seems like it's going to get overturned, thankfully, because it's just a racist, ridiculous process that's been in place for far too long and never should have been in place to begin with. But I digress. Let's go right into this and hear what Justice Thomas had to say to the counsel trying to argue to keep the racist affirmative action in place. Juice? Number one, right of the week. Uh, Mr. Park, um I've heard the word uh, diversity quite a few times, and I don't have a clue what it means. Uh, It seems to mean everything for everyone. Uh, And I'd like you first, you did uh, give some examples in your opening remarks, but I'd like you to give us a specific definition of diversity in the context of the University of North Carolina. And I'd also like you to give us a, uh, a clear idea of exactly uh, what the educational benefits of diversity at the University of North Carolina uh, would be. All right. So that was his question. Wait you here. We're going to play what this kid's response was. And it's just ridiculous. It's all these buzzwords, all your typical 
liberal talking points. And then Thomas comes back in for the Grand Slam W at the end of it. So uh, listen to this nonsense and try not to cringe at all these nerdy um, leftist words that this kid uses. Yes, Your Honor. So first, we define diversity the way this court has in its court's precedence, which means a broadly diverse set of criteria that extends to all different backgrounds and perspectives and not solely limited to race. And there's a factual finding in this record, PEDAP 113, that there are many different diversity factors that are considered as a greater factor in our admissions process than race. On the educational benefits question, Your Honor, uh, I don't think it's actually disputed here that there are real and meaningful educational benefits that come with diversity of all kinds. Uh, SFFA's own expert, uh, this is on JA 546, uh, conceded and agreed enthusiastically, in fact, on the stand uh, that uh, a racially diverse and a diverse uh, uh, diversity of all kinds leads to, quote, a deeper and richer learning environment, uh, leads to more creative thinking and exchange of ideas, and critically reduced bias between people of different backgrounds and not solely different racial backgrounds. Uh, you still haven't given me the educational benefit. Boom. Still haven't given an answer. All that talking uh, talking about this person says this, that person says this, uh, this person agrees with that. Diversity, diversity, diversity. Might as well be talking John Fetterman for us because it didn't make any sense. It was. It sounded a lot better, sounded smoother. It was. They were coherent sentences, but the words he was using and the way he was using those words still did not answer Justice Thomas's question because there is no benefit educationally to it. There's no reason to let somebody into a school or a job, or anywhere, just because of the color of their skin. That's just a fact. You can't you can't argue about that, because it's just blatant racism. And Justice Thomas just let that kid walk right into it, stumble around with a nonsense answer, and then he just laid the hammer down on him at the end. Next! I want them to answer that freaking question! Answer the question! And that'll do it for the rights of the week. Thank you guys so much for enjoying those. I know I had a good time with those. Always have fun. Juice box. Keep up the good work. Finding all those good clips for us. And we will be back with those again next week. All right. So the next thing we're looking to talk about today is this red wave that's uh, looming in the air. We're definitely heading towards one. Midterms are on Tuesday. I can't wait for Election Day. Uh, hopefully we can figure it out right there. Uh, on election day they're not going to try to tell us we have to wait two weeks to find out the results i mean i know they're going to try that but hopefully it's not even going to be close enough for that to come into play you can tell that it's going to be a red wave by the preemptive uh crybaby nonsense that you're hearing out of the left you're already hearing stuff about votes being suppressed people having a hard time trying to get in to vote um dangerous rhetoric from one side of the aisle uh, all that type of stuff that they would typically pull. And it's just garbage. Their policies are terrible. Inflation sky high right now. The president's a moron who came in talking about unity and kind of return to normal. And he's done anything but that. He's divided farther and farther. He's done nothing normal. He can't get through a sentence without stumbling and bumbling around He's got a vice president that's just a laughing stock. Nobody takes serious at all. His party's in shambles, and they're going to pay for it. Everybody who's going to that ballot box two years ago, think about how your life was. And as President Reagan said, is it better now 
than it was two years ago? And the answer to that's no. It's a resounding no. So you're going to see the House flip. I think we're leaning towards the Senate about to flip as well. And that's going to put an end to the Biden administration. He's going to be on life support, literally and figuratively, for the next two years. That means that Republicans need to come in and they need to hold the fort. They need to come in. I don't want them to go too, too crazy, but I want them to block any of the nonsense coming from Biden. And that's another reason why you hear, like the one we just showed in the rights, that pandemic amnesty, that type of talk coming out now. Because the Dems are about to lose power and they know that the Republicans are going to go after them for it. That's why Fauci announced his retirement uh, coming up at the end of the year, right? If he, if he actually does it. But that's why he announced, because he knows the Republicans are going to be in control and they're going to come after him now. And they should, as as well should, as Fetterman would say, because it's absolutely ridiculous. They stole two years of our lives. You know it and I know it. And now they want to talk about amnesty. They want to talk about, oh, no harm, no foul. How many people lost their jobs? How many people were forced to take a drug they didn't want to take just to keep their job? How about businesses being shut down? Not to mention the summer of 2020, if your business even survived that. The Democrats have gone way too extreme. They've completely lost their minds. And all the things they care about don't matter to regular normal people. The go green stuff is all fancy talking points for them. But what does that do to someone's gas tank? What does that do for someone's milk and eggs? What does that do for someone's energy costs? All these things factor into it. What's one of the first things Biden did when he came in? He shut down the Keystone Pipeline. We could be dependent on our own oil. And what else did he do? He took the, um, took the restrictions off of Putin's oil uh, pipeline out there. What's, uh, what the hell is it? Nordstrom? Nordstrom 2 or whatever? That one. He made it easier for Russia to move oil and to produce oil. And then he sat there and said, well, if it's just a minor incursion, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens then. We won't do anything. So he did nothing to scare Putin in advance to his invasion of Ukraine. So all of the things that Biden wants to try to blame now for the position we're in are things that he put himself in this position for. He caused them. There's a cause and effect with all of these things. And it's this bogus, garbage, liberal policy that's gotten us here. You didn't see this happening when Trump was in power. Everybody wanted to call him a Russian stooge. Putin didn't do jack while Trump was in power because he didn't know what Trump would do to him. And you think people aren't going to remember that when they go to vote on Tuesday? Of course they will. And I'm sorry when the Republicans take over. Number one thing you got to do, change these horrible voting rules. Enough of this pandemic COVID era election three months because you don't want it to be election day anymore. You can start early voting, mail-in voting in friggin' September for an election in November. Get out of here with that. It never should have occurred in the first place, and we need to put an end to it. So hopefully that is one of the first things that they do. And the Democrats try to use that as a scare tactic. They're going to make it harder to vote. No, they're just going to return the voting to the way it should be and always has been. You show up, you vote. You don't get to 
put a, put a ballot in a mailbox, ship it out three months in advance of an election. There's absentee voting that's in place for a reason, and you need to go through a process to do it. We're not just going to mail out blank ballots to every single person out there and expect them to fill them out, send them back in, whatever. Who's going to know? Whatever. How are we going to do it? Ballot harvesting. Get out of here with that. You know the city of Boston? Me and me and Ashley were talking because we saw her in advance of Halloween. They were talking about the early voting in the ballot boxes being shut on Halloween because they didn't want drop boxes to be tampered with. There's no threat of those things being tampered with any other day of the week. Halloween, you need to shut them down? I saw a great meme, and, and it, it just sums this stuff up perfectly. It was a picture of a mailbox, and it said, If you feel comfortable with mail-in voting, put a $100 bill in an envelope, address it to yourself, and drop it in the mailbox. You feel comfortable doing that? If you don't, why would you feel comfortable dropping your vote in a box like that? That's like one of the first lessons I learned as a kid, right? Everyone always says, oh, don't put money in the mail. And in case it gets lost, in case whatever. Yet something way more valuable than $100, a vote. A vote is a priceless thing. And it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to have. We treat that like it's, like it's just nothing. Oh, go ahead, check it off, throw it in a box, be good with it. Screw that. I wouldn't feel comfortable dropping that $100 in a mailbox, and I hope you wouldn't either. So stop being lazy. We know well in advance when the election is. Get up. Stand in line. Oh, God forbid you have to stand in line. Go vote for who you want to vote for and be done with it. But no more excuses. You got to go and do it the regular way. None of this nonsense. And that's what the Dems are afraid of because it's a lot harder to manipulate when people have to follow the standard procedure. We don't settle our differences in America with a riot, a mob, or a bullet. Or a hammer. We sell them peaceably at the battle at the battle box. The ballot box. So it's that time in the show, ladies and gentlemen, where we get to bring you our come on man segment of the day. And we're gonna go out to this person who put up a video uh, from the back room of a Starbucks where they were working because it was just getting to be a little bit too much, too much to handle, and everything just was was overwhelming. So this video uh, and this audio that you're going to hear really just kind of sums up the generation that's just behind me. Is that the Gen Z? I think I'm a millennial, so yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe Gen Z, if that's what they're called, whoever it is. These people who were the um, champions of the everybody gets a trophy culture. Let's see. What kind of work ethic these people have? Juice? People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks. And I am literally about to quit. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but, like, I really want to. I almost walked out today, and I'm crying in the back room right now, and I almost cut on the floor. It's just, I like, I get, I'm like a full-time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week. And then on weekends, they schedule me the entire day open to close. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours. Scheduled from open to close on the schedule for eight and a half hours. Oh, oh my goodness. The, The horror. How does this person deal with that? And he starts off with Starbucks needs a union. No, you're a coffee shop. You need a union. It's not supposed to be a full time career for somebody. 
Maybe the manager, sure. But you're a barista. That's a part-time gig. That's something to do while you're a student, like this person's doing. You don't need it to be unionized work. Go ahead, continue. Both Saturday and Sunday, I'm like three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers, and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule, and somebody had to call out. And there are four people running all the store, and there's so many customers, and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> We only have 13 people employed at this store, and there's so many customers, and they are good. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend, and he took himself off the schedule, so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on and put up a new schedule where he wasn't on the schedule. Also, he couldn't have even seen that he was scheduled in the first place because he didn't want to be held accountable for not wanting to come in. They don't want to help us. We need a union because this can't happen. This can't happen. We need fair scheduling. We need managers to hold themselves accountable for helping their workers. They refuse to turn mobile orders off. We need the liberty to be able to do that because there's so many mobile orders and I need to get through all of them. And then people are yelling at me because I don't have their orders ready. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> I can't do all right. That's not a, deep, not, not a bad point there, but not the one that, that he, she, whatever was trying to make. Um, the mobile ordering kind of, I think I can get behind that. I'm not a big fan of that nonsense. All these fast food places. Now, if you have their apps, you can put your, your order in advance and then you get a separate line you can go up to and like, no, no, serve the people that are in front of you. If there's a line, there's a line. That's what it is. First come first serve. So get rid of that nonsense. That might help clear some of this stuff up, but this person is just advocating to have more people working there because, you know, it doesn't want to hustle. doesn't want to work like whatever. All right, go ahead, continue. And the customer was misgendering me today, like, really badly. I didn't have their order ready. And so they were just, like, talking, talking to each other. And they're like, she's clearly incompetent. I have a full mustache and beard. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't get accommodations for being neurodivergent. I don't... <sighs> like, I can't use... Like, I... <sighs> people get mad at me for using my sick time. I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm like at my wits end with this job. I really am. <laughs> Accommodations for being neurodivergent? What does that even mean? I don't get sick time? You're working as a part-time barista. Sick time? I used to wait tables forever in my life. I didn't get sick time. If I called, you could call out sick for your shift. It was very much frowned upon. You'd get made fit to feel guilty about doing it. And... You just didn't get paid. The only re the only way I got paid was going in, waiting tables, and making the money I made off of tips. This kid's an hourly employee that's looking for sick time, working 25 hours a week, and can't handle it? And he's worried about being misgendered? Or she. I guess technically it's a she. But when I saw the video, you're right. Uh, mustache, little, little beard thing going on. But I guess dead ringer should have been the fact that she's in the back room uh, crying instead of working. That would give it away that that's a female. <laughs> they misgendered me. They're just, <laughs> I don't get any sick time. I'm a student. I get scheduled for eight hours a day. I know how your mind oh, works. Oh, yeah. yes, I do. Go get a different job then. I don't know what to tell you. You don't have to work at Starbucks. You, I'm sure you could find a job doing literally anything, especially part-time work. 
You can work at a counter somewhere. You can be the cashier at a at a supermarket. You could you could work at a at a 7-Eleven. You can wait tables anywhere. I used to get annoyed. I told you. I I just said it. I waited tables my whole life. And that used to frustrate me when you see people unwilling to work because they were always looking for waiters, hosts, for people to work in the kitchen. You could always find you, you always need somebody to do the dishes. But no, that's hard work. It requires you to actually show up and to be there. You have to be on your feet. You have to be working. You know, it's not always fun, but it's a commitment. And clearly, this girl does not have a commitment to want to work at that Starbucks, but wants there to be a union to protect her ass, to be lazy, not go to work, take a bunch of time off, and, you know, use sick time to get cross-sex hormones, I guess. So, for that... And for many, many more reasons, Mr., Mrs., misgendered Starbucks employee, you, my friend, have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Like I said earlier, please do not forget to subscribe to the show. Give us a big like, five-star review, drop a comment on there for us, uh, and share the show with all your friends. Can't do it without you. Juice, great job today. Uh, I guess that's it. That's all I got for you. So nothing else to say to you except thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka. 